I want you to grab your Bibles and I want you to turn to this one passage of scripture, John 15, 16. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna have this as our overarching text, but today I'm starting a brand new series called Tagged. How many have ever seen a building tagged before? You know, sometimes it looks really pretty, doesn't it? Until it's your house, they tag, amen? But people put these on there, they tag buildings because they want to know that it's marked. Well, I want you to know something, friends, that God has tagged you. First of all, even if you're not a Jesus follower, I don't care if you're an atheist and you're sneering your nose at me this whole service. You can't help this, but you are an image bearer of God because you were created in the image of God. And I'll just tell you right now, you think Satan hates me. He hates you just as much as he hates me. The only distance between me and you, whether you're an atheist, is the distance between us. You and I have an adversary called Satan who is very, very real. And every time he sees you, you make him so angry simply because, even if you don't believe, you were created in the image of God. But you know what becomes a beautiful thing? Is when you discover you were not only created by God, but you have an assignment from God. And boy, when you start grabbing a hold of that, you talk about tripping the devil up every, mo every morning you wake up. Every time you wake up. So here's the new series. It's called Tagged. And we're going to talk about the life of Elijah for about four weeks. But I want you to look at this. At John 15, 16. And I want you to say this out loud. Let's read the text out loud. Guys, let's put the scripture up and let's declare it out loud together because these are Jesus' words about you. Let's declare it. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. I want you to hear this again. Sometimes you can be in church so long you think your performance is the reason why he wants to use you. You need to know that you were created by God for a task and you didn't pick him he chose you. Wow. Wow. Before you sit down, look at your neighbor and says, yeah, you're one of his chosen ones. Tell him that. Come on, tell him. Everybody, come on. Yeah, you're one of those chosen ones. You can be seated. You can be seated in the house of God. You can be seated in the house of God. You're marked. You're marked. You're marked. And when you discover you're marked by God, and there's a mission of God, something happens. But so many people want to jump from the mark straight to the mission. What they don't understand is that when you get marked or tagged by God for a mission, you also need to know that you got to mature in order to get to that mission. We want to go marked to mission. No, no, no. you got to go marked, matured, then mission. If, if I could put it this way, I would put it this way. You have been tagged by God Watch this. You have been tagged by God and must be trained by God to fulfill the task from God. 
Every, every single person, I don't care who you are, every child that is born, every child in that nursery has been tagged by God. You have been tagged by God. And once you know you've been tagged by God, you must be trained by God to fulfill the task from God. You have a task from God. Every single thing God creates, he creates with a purpose. Every single thing has a purpose behind it. Nothing he didn't create. Now, mosquitoes and moles, I have a question about. And I'm sure God in his great wisdom will tell me why he created mosquitoes and moles. I don't know. It's, oh, patience. That's what it is. Patience. That's why. Patience. But everything he creates, the lights have a purpose for being created. The carpet has something. The, the cushion on your pew has a purpose. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Everything has a purpose. You have a purpose. Don't make the pew more important than the people. Don't make the pew more important. If that cushion has something to do this morning to fill a purpose so you can sit here and enjoy the message, if that cushion, don't make the cushion more important than you. Every person tagged by God has to be trained by God in order to fulfill the task from God. Because you've been chosen by God to fulfill assignment. You have been tagged and you've got you've to know you've been tagged by God. Don't cheapen what God is. How many of you love to be picked? How many of you love to be chosen? I love being picked. I love being picked. I was always the kid picked last in elementary school. I'm, I'm serious. I, I, you should have seen me. I... I, I I looked like a poster child for crop failure when I was a kid. I'm just going to tell you. It just, I was In high school, I was less than 100 pounds. This is how I look with the steroids, okay? I want you, I want you, I want you to know I was never picked. It, it bugged me. I never forget it in elementary school when they're choosing up teams for sportsmen on the playground. They always pick. I was the last guy picked. Listen, they picked Cindy Cruz before they picked me, okay? I know you don't know Cindy Cruz, but I'm telling you, you just know it was Cindy, okay? But I knew God put his hand on me. I knew God put his hand on me. And you need to know God's hand on you. But here's the deal. Before you ever get to that mission, some of us need to mature, and he's growing us up. We've got to be trained before we accomplish the task. So Elijah is one of these guys. We're going to go to 1 Kings 17. Why don't you just flip over there in just a moment because I'm going to go through 1 Kings 17 today a little bit. And we're going to look at Elijah after, over the next four weeks. But you need to see Elijah, 1 Kings 17. He just arrives on the scene and we really don't know much about him, his background. We don't know. He arrives on the scene, but he's arriving at a very spiritually dark time for Israel. So when you study this, you'll discover Israel is just, these are God's people, and now they're just wheels off doing their own thing in all kinds of sin. There's so much rebellion that the kingdom of Israel divides into two, the northern and the southern, uh, southern tribes. They're fighting among each other. They can't win. They're, I mean, it's just horrible what's going on. And the reason it's so horrible is he lived in the northern part of the kingdom. Now, just let me give you a mindset when Elijah shows up. Let me just help you out here. He is, he is coming on the scene after Israel has had 19 consecutive wicked, evil kings. 19 over a span of 200 years. Okay, that's, that's a little less than the age of the United States. 19 consecutive leaders of the northern, 19 for Israel that are, that are just living, living like the devil. 19 in a row. 
Imagine living in a country where 19, every single leader you had for 200 years has turned a nation toward against God. So I know America's tough, but I promise there's been tougher God's dealt with. Before you think America's going to hell in a handbasket, let me say, there's been tougher and God's turned it around. How many know God can turn it around? But it never gets turned around until you understand you're tagged. And he understood it. Now he comes on the scene during a time when there's this guy by the name of King Ahab and Jezebel. And the Bible says about King Ahab, he was the wicked, the most wicked of all those that had preceded him. Now when God says you're the worst of the worst, this was a tough time. I'm telling you again, your family situation, your home life, your country, let me just tell you, it's not going to hell in a handbasket. God's just looking for somebody who's tagged. Somebody who's tagged. And he faces these two, and they are wicked. I mean, the most corrupt of all the kings, the Bible said. His wife was wheels off horrible, killing God's prophets, everything, killing the preachers, doing it all. And they had turned God's people from serving God to false gods. All these other religions that come in now, they're practicing Baal worship. They have the, uh, uh, the goddess, uh, uh, the god of Asherah, and they're worshiping all these things. And they got to the place where they were having sex in the temple with, sex, with prostitutes in the temple and then calling it worship. Let me tell you how bad it got among them. They were actually, leaders were actually sacrificing these children to Satan himself, to demon gods. These are the people of God now literally giving their children away to literally be sacrificed. I'm going to tell you something, friends. You ought to praise God and thank God that Roe v. Wade got overturned. You really ought to. I don't care what your political persuasion is. Because every person is an image bearer of God Almighty. Every one of them. Every one of them. And here God looks at it and he sees all this 19 consecutive for 200 years. Look as he steps on the scene. All the ungodliness of God's people who turn in. They're mixing these pagan practices with the worship of God. They're doing all this. And then God says, all right, all I'm looking for is someone who will know they're tagged. And Elijah steps on the scene and he's tagged by God to confront how they have turned away from God. See, here's what happens. Often, God often raises up one person to make a big difference. And I know you may think, well, this is just an old guy. No, 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 no. The Bible says I like, he was likened unto us, is what James says. So I'm here to tell you that God will often use someone who knows they're tagged and will allow themselves to be trained to take on the task. Oftentimes, God will do this. He's looking for one person to say, I'm willing to go through it, God, whatever it takes. Are you that person? Are you that person? Young people, you might be the one person when it's wheels off, everybody sacrifices their virginity, everybody gives it up before, before they get married, everybody thinks you'd be promiscuous, it's just the thing we do, but I bet you there's one teenager here that's willing to say, I'm ready to stand up for sexual purity to believe that God has something better for me to just wait and honor God. Will you be that person? Will you be that person? Will you be the person in business that will actually not skew the books or skew your, your ta income tax return to say, I'd rather be honest in integrity before God than make a couple extra bucks. Will you be that person? Will you be that person that says, you know what? My family's had this history. This stuff has followed my family for years, this addiction. Will you be the person to say, it stops me. Porn is stopping with me. 
the family being torn apart by Satan stops with me. Will you be the person that will actually go into politics or run for the school board or run for mayor or the city council? Will you be the person that says, you know what? I really want to reflect Jesus Christ in politics and other, and just saying, I need my party to win. Will you be the one that will reflect the lordship of Jesus Christ in politics? We need somebody to be called to politics to literally just be a light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Will you be the educator? Will you make a decision to be a school teacher? Will you, be in a, will you make a decision to be, if somebody's being called to make a difference, will you be the one? Will you be the businessman? Will you be the business? Will you be the teenager? Will you be the student? Will you be the grandparent? Will you be that grandparent that will go mentor a kid over in one of our public schools? Will you be the one to make a big difference? If you want to see transformation, you got to know I'm tagged. And the reason I never get to the task is because I never want to go through the training. I believe I'm marked by God. I just want to hop to the mission and make sure everybody sees my social media post, how God's using me. But will you be the one to take the maturity test to accomplish the mission? How many of you want to be tagged by God Almighty? Because you are tagged by God. What happens is, is that before Elijah could truly be used for all these things, God has always taken him through a process. And here's some of the things that he had to go through that you're going to have to go through that you need to know in order to be tagged. And this is going to be a great series. You're going to love it. You're, you're going to have a blast. You're going to love it. I preached it to God already. He loved it. So I know you're going to love it. Here's the first thing you need to understand is identification. Identification. Could you say that word out loud with me? Identification. This is such a big deal because identity in Christ is probably been the biggest challenge of every human being is to forget that they are the image bearer of God, creating his image, and Satan will trash that your whole life, whether you're an atheist or you speak in other tongues. He will trash that. Whether you got saved today or you've been born again for 97 years and you think you're the most mature person, he will always trash your identity. He'll always go after it. Because in that foundation, is what gives you the ability to know you're tagged in order to be trained, in order to fulfill the task. It's all for the glory of God. So let's go to 1 Kings 17, verse 1. Let's look at this for a moment. And look what it says here. It says, now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, Elisha the Tishbite from Tishbe. I don't know what Tishbite and Tishbe means, but I sure hope it's not a bad thing. <laughs> eh, he's just a Tishbite. I don't know what it means. It just kind of feels like a bad word, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, tishbite, you know. <laughs> he said to Ahab, the wicked king, he says, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, he's alive, whom I serve, look at this, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Look at this. He's from the Bible identifies as a Tishbite from Tishbe. But Elijah does not see himself as just a guy that lives in a podunk town called Tishbe and they all think we're a bunch of Tishbites. I don't know. <laughs> Somebody better look that word up. I could be cussing. I don't know. Maybe a dirty word for all I know. But the thing is, is that's what people want to identify you as. That's just Jesus of Nazareth. Can anything come good out of Nazareth? You see, the devil will always hold you hostage to where you're from, what you've been. 
I don't care who you are. But he says, my name is Elijah. I serve the Lord. But you know, you got to take the word Elijah. It's really interesting that Elijah, E-L-L was from the name Elohim. I means personal. And Yah, 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 that is Yahweh. So it literally meant, it was Elijah's name literally meant, my God is Yahweh. That's what his name meant. It literally meant, the Lord is my God. Think about that. Yahweh means the Almighty One who has always existed, is eternal, who has created all things. He says, the one who has created all things, I know who I was created by. He is eternal. He is forever. He has always existed. He is the Almighty One, and He lives inside of me. That's why my name is Elijah. Elohim, personal God, Yahweh, he is my Lord and my God. You can call me a Tishbite, you can call me, I'm from Tishbe, but I know who I am. I serve the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. Do you see what I'm talking about here? Why Elijah could take on the task? Do you see why he could, you're going to find out he did the hard things. He did the things that put him in isolation. Why? Because he knew that he served God. This is the whole thing. You need to spend your life knowing who you are in Christ. You're just not a tish bite. You are a child of the Most High God, the image bearer, and Christ dwells in you when you gave your life to him. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in you. You're not just a plumber. You're not just a politician. You're not just a student. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. Think about that. I mean, some people don't even realize that. Let me tell you why that's so important. If you and I don't figure out who we are in Christ, then Satan will pressure and manipulate you into being something you were never intended to be. I'm going to say it again. If you and I do not know who we are in Christ, Satan will pressure and manipulate you into being something you were never intended to be. Now let me add another part to it. And you will end up doing things you were never intended to do. It's a noble thing if you took on the career of your parent. But did you take that on simply because they imposed it upon you? Or did you take it on because it was the call of God on your life? It might have been, and it may not have been. If you don't know who you are, then you'll never know his guidance. You'll never know the path. Everything flows from the identity of Jesus Christ. Because I promise you, if you don't know who you are, he will, he will, Satan has already cheapened life, folks. And if he's going to cheapen life and doesn't even see a child as the image of God, he's going to cheapen your life. He's going to use you as a trash dumpster for all of his garbage. And every time he does, let me tell you what he does. I don't care if you've been serving God as long as I have. Satan will always remind you of your past sin to immobilize you to think you can never take the task from God. They won't listen to you. But I'm telling you, let God mature you. Let him train you. Because every time Satan starts to remind you of your past, you know what you need to do? Show him your ID. Just show him your ID. No, not that ugly one you got from the state of Michigan. I'm saying show him, show him the idea of the word of God. Do you know what I put inside of me? 
I don't need just your, listen, it's nice to have affirmation of people, but you better have the word deeply rooted in you to know who you are. So when he starts telling you, nobody wants you, why don't you just end your life? Nobody cares. You don't even know who your dad is. Nobody cares about you. You're a nobody. Give him your idea. Psalm 139 verses 13 through 16, where the psalmist said, God knit me together in my mother's womb. He saw me before I was born and scheduled each day of my life before I began to breathe. Every day was recorded in your but give Satan that when he starts telling you man you are nothing but a loser you can never live this life look you're still dealing with the problems and the habits that are taking you in sin no no give him Galatians 2:20 I was crucified with Christ nevertheless not I but it's Jesus Christ that lives inside of me and because he overcomes I'm going to overcome when he starts telling you're worthless give him Galatians 4:7 come on wherefore you are no longer servants you're no longer a slave to sin but you are a son and a daughter of Jesus Christ. And if you're a son and a daughter, then you are an heir through Jesus Christ. Give him Ephesians 2, 6. When he tells you you're a nobody, say, oh no, I sit in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Come on, can you give him your ID of who you are, not what people say you are, or the past of the sin that you used to be in? I'm just going to tell you something. I don't care if you're Billy Graham, Brother Sam. I don't care who you are. And some of you act like you've been holy your whole life. You came out of the womb speaking in tongues. Let me tell you, nobody's told their whole testimony in this building. Nobody's told their whole testimony. There's stuff you'll never tell your kids about you. And don't you know, I know Satan holds you hostage with it. Take my word for it. Take my word for it. Nobody's told their whole testimony. How many of you have ever had Satan show you your old sins? Yeah, all three of you. Yeah, those are beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. You're going to start lying this morning. How many of you have ever had Satan show you your old sins? How many of you have had him do it twice? So every time he shows you those old sins, I always tell people, you start shouting, dancing, dance the carpet down to the burlap, get happy, start turning on praise and worship. I mean, just, just get happy. When he shows you the old stuff, come on, the worst stuff you have in your life, and he shows you again, just start getting happy. Don't say, oh God, oh God, forgive me. He's already forgiven you, move on. Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. No, listen, I tell people, if Satan's showing you the old sin's over, let me just tell you, that only means one thing. It means that he's got nothing new on you, so now all he's got are reruns. That's all he's got. He's got reruns of your life. It's time to see the new movie that God has made for you. Whew, come on, somebody help me out here and give God praise. You've been redeemed, you've been bought, you've been changed, you've been transformed. Come on, in the balconies, in the gowards, giving praise for who you are. Let the devil know your identity is in Jesus Christ alone. You're not a Tishbite. You're not an old heathen anymore. You're a sinner saved by grace. Come on, put it in the devil's face and let him know I've been redeemed, I've been bought, I've been chosen. Heaven is my home, come on. Let him know it. And the worse the sin, the louder your praise ought to be. The worse the past, the louder your praise ought to be. Woo! Come on, we got to finish this morning. Come on, amen. Now, everybody loves it when you start getting identity. But here's something God will do to you and to me. Done it already. Some of you hadn't been there. You're going to get there. It's so interesting that when God sends you on the task, and you say, whoo, I know who I am, and now you're 
you're starting to see you're influencing people for Jesus, let me tell you what happens. There's a separation that he will take you into. A season of separation. I don't know how long it's going to be, and some of you are in it. And it's no fun. It's not fun. But if you're ever going to become what God wants you to be, you got to go through this season. He starts separating you. Now, remember the word of the Lord. Now, watch this. He says, now, I want you to go to Ahab. To, oh, listen, 19 consecutive evil, wicked people. You're the guy to call them out and says, okay, here's the deal. No dew, no rain for three years. None. No dew, no rain. No, nothing. No precipitation. And all the people in Michigan going, great. It'll be a great winter. <laughs> three years. No, no, no. I'm not talking just no rain, no snow. I'm talking there's the grass has, is not, has no dew on it in the morning when you wake up. Nothing. Absolute drought. Now, you don't think anything about this, but when their entire economy is an agricultural economy and drives everything, this is serious stuff. This is not a recession. A depression would be a step up. This is not an economic slowdown. This is a complete economic shutdown for Israel. Completely. You put it in today's terms. If everything was driven by one thing alone, think about it. You can forget gas stations. You can forget Taco Bell because we got nothing to feed the cow. You can forget it. No banks. This is a shut down. Total, completely, there's nothing to eat. There's drought. This is a complete unemployment. You just forget it. Places for healthcare, forget it. This is a complete, entire shutdown. And Elijah's going, whew, come on, God. We're moving. Let's get this thing done. It's amazing when God starts using you, and all of a sudden, he just slams the brakes on and says, I'm taking you another direction and puts you in separation. Go to verse 2 with me. It says, And the word of the Lord came to Elijah, Leave here. Turn eastward and hide. Hide. In the Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan. Now, you made your big stand for God, and now God says, I'm going to separate you. You're going to be all alone. You're going to hide in the Kareth Ravine. And he's there for months. How many have ever had it where all of a sudden, everything looked like it was going great in the relationship, the marriage, the business, the company, your health. And all of a sudden, God says, you're going to turn and go this way. And I'm gonna, it's going to feel like you've been cut off from the blessing of God. Ever been there? I'm praying. This is the part where many people drop out and never fulfill the task because they never want to go through the training of separation because most of the time, you got to be alone with yourself. People who say, I can't, I can't stand to be by myself. Well, if you can't stand to be with you, what makes you think the rest of us can stand to be with you? <laughs> He's developing you. Because careth actually means cut off or cut down. Where everything you trusted in is now cut off 
are cut down. Everything seems to be going good. You get the prognosis. You get the call from the banker. The attorney tells you because she or he doesn't have the boldness to tell you themselves. And it's cut down. And where's God? You feel alone. Separation. And when that happens, can I tell you, there's a deep work of God happening in you that's got to happen in you. And that's where many people drop out of serving God. But he's doing something that could never happen to use you if you don't go through it. Because what he's really doing is he's humbling you, he's strengthening you, and he's growing you. This is not an American church message most of the time. I'm into prosperity, I'm into faith, I'm into joy, believe me. You don't want to hang around me and be a spiritual sad, you know, we, 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 I don't want you to hang around me and look like you've been baptized in formaldehyde. I, I, I love joy. But I'm going to tell you something. He's doing a deep work that you cannot even recognize. And God's saying, you can't learn any other way than me telling you you got to separate, turn left. And it almost feels like you're hiding and you're by yourself. You're married, but you still feel like you're walking this journey by yourself. God is preparing. I like something D.L. Moody. God's preparing you. I love what he said. He says, Moses spent 40 years thinking he was somebody, 40 years learning he was nobody, and 40 years discovering that God can do what God can do with a nobody. Because the problem is so many times is when we finally get something and we accomplish a mission or a task, so many times, I don't know why it happens, we always seem to think that we're the ones that made it happen. We make a little bit of money, get a little lake property, we're able to have a little money in the bank, have our retirement settled, we help the company, and somehow we just think we're the ones that pulled all this off. God is preparing you. Can I tell you, in that season, some of you are in it right now. You're in a separation. You are in it right now. You may be separated from people you never thought you'd be separated. You've been separated for something you trusted completely. Can I tell you, in that separation, you have been tagged by God. You are in a training from God. And in that separation, do not turn loose of God. Trust him. Take my word. Trust him. He has taken you to something. He's taking you to something. I, I love... Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 out of the Passion Translation, just for a little better clarity. It says this, trust in the Lord completely. Do not rely on your own opinions. With all your heart, rely on him to guide you, and he will lead you in every decision you make. Become intimate with him in whatever you do, and he will lead you wherever you go. In that time, can I tell you, it is a lonely time. It is a separation time. But I know God is doing something in Sam Rifko that could never happen had Sam Rifko ever turned away from the separation time. I pray I don't ever have another one, but I have a feeling that there will probably be one. Because I know that he has me on a mission and he's training me, he's developing, he's humbling me, he's giving me strength, he's giving me courage to go on. And some of you are in the bottom just saying, I can't take any more, Pastor Sam, it's been 15 years like this, I can't do another step of this, I can't do it. Can I tell you something, that if you're tagged by God and he's got you in his separation time, I've got a word for you. There is not a demon in hell, not Lucifer himself, that can keep you in a careth ravine one second longer when God says, I want my daughter somewhere else. 
else. I want, my, I, want, I want my son somewhere else. There's not a demon that can keep you one second longer. And some of you are confusing yourself. You think my life is falling apart. My marriage, my company's falling apart. It is not falling apart. It is falling into place because God is ordering the steps and the stops of the righteous to produce Jesus Christ. Come on. You've been tagged by God. You have a dedication by God. But in the separation you press into him like you have never pressed into him in that time you're alone. Can somebody say, oh me? But what's he really wanting out of us? He's wanting this one thing out of you and me. He wants submission. If you want to be tagged, you want to be used, you want to do the mission, you got to have submission. Now watch this guy, how he always follows God through the separations. Watch this, 1 Kings 17 verse 4. Let's go there real quick. He says, God tells him, you will drink from the brook, <clears throat> I have directed the ravens to supply you with food. Oh, great. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan, and stayed there. It says the Lord told him, and he did what the Lord said. Did what the Lord said. So you're going to feed me from ravens, a dirty bird. But God didn't bring him dirty food. Because he knew his allegiance to follow God. So here are these, here are these ravens door dashing prime rib on him every day. <laughs> but look what he said, and he stayed there. Everybody say stayed there. The problem is, is when we're in a place, he was in this place, he was in the Kareth Ravine for months. When we don't see some, nothing moving, we wanna, we wanna say, we, we gotta make something happen. I see everybody posting all the great stuff God's doing for them and why God doing this for me. I watch God, their testimony. What, why, why, what about me? They got a new job. I, I've been praying. I've been tithing. What about me? Just stay put until he tells you, submit, obey him. Stay put. Look, months later, he finally goes. Look what happens in verse, verse, uh, verse 9. Look what happens. It said, sometime later, the, book, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Go once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. And the Bible says he immediately got up and went. What's, what's the point here? Obey him even in the season when something you used to trust in for your security has been taken away from you. Because there are times that things you loved and you trusted are removed from you and you immediately want to move on and try to fill it or fix it, but stay there until he says, move. For some of you, the brook's dried up. There's a drought. <laughs> something you used to trust in, something you love dearly, and God's testing where your loyalty, where your submission is. Your job looks like it might dry up. You bought when watching way too much of the news, and you think God's gonna dry up just like everything else dries up. Your nest egg slowly dwindling. Your 401k seems like a 201k. <clears throat> and it's not okay. Oh, your whole heart, because you're trusting it so much. You trusted a friend that was a believer and they disclosed information and you say, I could never trust a believer again. The one who looked you in the eye and said, till death do us part, has parted. Has walked out on you. I'm telling you, there are times when there are things that you trusted in for your security 
and you love dearly will be removed from you. And he says, you stay there until I tell you to move to the next thing. Here's my main mission in life. My main mission is submission. That's it. My main mission is submission. You think, oh, the church is your mission. Everything. Oh, it's part of the mission. I get it. But it all comes out of just do what God told you to do, Sam, period. Because obedience is proof of your belief. You can sit there and tell me how much you love Jesus and you love missions, but if you don't obey, you really don't believe it. Because obedience is the proof. Look what James 1.22 says. Do not merely listen to words, to the word, and so deceive yourself. Do what God says. He just simply say, just obey when he tells you. Stay put until he tells you to do the next thing. Just obey. Just obey. Obey God. Obey God in this culture for crying out loud. Well, everybody seems to be moving this way. Just obey God. Well, but, 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 but you know, the, the culture around me is saying, just obey God. Just obey him. Just follow him. Here's what I discovered, that sin and blessings of God will not mix in my life. <laughs> it just doesn't mix. You can't mix lying and ask God to bless you. You can't be a greedy person and withhold and ask God to bless you. Jealousy and gossip and backbiting, you can't ask God to go and bless you. I'm telling you, sowing discord in your family, your marriage, your small group of this church, you're not going to get the blessing of God. You can be sexually immoral and sleep around all you want to do because culture says this is what you are. You can do all that, but you're never going to discover the blessing of God. It will never, ever mix. You say, well, I didn't know that before. Well, now you do. Now you do. I love what Psalm 111 says. Oh, the joys, oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners and join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord. Now I want you to read verse three. And they prosper in all they do. What does that mean, Pastor? Submission is so key to the provision that God intends for you to have. Because unconditional submission leads to God's ultimate provision. And when I mean the word ultimate, I'm telling you, the very best thing God knows you need is what he ends up giving you. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Look at 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 4. Look at this. He says, you will drink from the brook, and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food. So there he is. He's at that brook drinking Fiji water. Raven's doing the, doing the door dash. It's all going great. And then the book, brook dries up. No more Fiji water. No more prime rib. It's all over. Guess what happens? God speaks to him, and he obeys again. Look what it says in verse 9. He says, now go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon, and stay there. I have directed a what? a widow there to supply you with food. Now, I don't know about y'all, but the widows there were very neglected at times. And we don't even know that this widow even served God. By all accounts, she probably was influenced by the pagan culture. And God says, go to this one. Now, I'm getting, I'm getting food from a dirty bird, and I'm not sure this woman even serves God. And God says, go there, and she's going to supply for you food. And he sees that little widow woman. He says, lady, bring me a drink of water. Well, they're in a drought for crying out loud. They're in a drought. And he asks a widow, give me a drink of water. And he says, and oh, by the way, he says, uh, go get me some bread too. Folks, they're in an economic, economic shutdown. And here's this preacher who's been eating prime rib from the Raven restaurant, drinking Perrier. God moves him on because he's obeying God, 
and he sees a woman and she says, he goes, what are you doing? She goes, well, I've got a few sticks here to make fire. So she didn't have much firewood. And I'm going to make a sticks. I got a little bit of meal, a little bit of flour and some oil. I'm going to make a cake, she says, and me and my boy are going to eat it. And then me and my son are going to die. Nothing. This is an economic shutdown. You can tell she was neglected. And he says, go make me a cake first. She said, what? We're going to die. I'm going to make it. We're going to die. Yeah. He says, give it to me. <laughs> give it to me. And he tells her, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Make me a loaf of bread, but first bring it to me. And then look what verse 15 says. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day. Everybody say every day. It was there for Elijah the prophet and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry. Look what it says. It didn't say that God gave him a meal for a month because some of you won't make your decisions even to give, even to help missionaries, even to help with hurricane relief because you're looking at your own supply. And it says he didn't give him a week's supply, didn't give him a month's supply, didn't give him a whole year's rent, didn't have the retirement settled. It says he just gave him one every day. All I know is, is when she used up that meal, she went back the next day and it was full again, enough to feed him. Then she went back the next day and there was enough oil just to feed him for that day, for that day, every single day. Here's my point to you. Some of us want God to give us the whole year's supply, one of all the job planned out. We want to know what the 401k plan, what kind of finances are we going to have? What's the pay scale? Which neighborhood are we going to live in? And God says, no, 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 no. If you'll just trust me, I will have it there for you every single day. See, you've been tagged by God, but listen closely. Your calling and provision is not for you, but for those God has called you to. So why does he give this? Listen to this. God says, the reason I'm doing this, Elijah, is not just for you to be fed. I'm going to do something in you, and I'm doing something in the people around you, and even this widow woman. This widow woman, we don't know if she served God, everybody. Man, don't you love the faith of a widow? We just had my mom's home-going funeral. We just had it Tuesday, this past Tuesday. 93 years my mom served Jesus. Some of you know the story. A Buddhist came to Jesus Christ. My mom was the church janitor for 53 years. 53 years, the janitor. I wasn't a PK. I was a JK. I was a janitor's kid. We're just hardworking people. I remember when my dad died, he was 46 years of age, and my mom had to raise seven children by herself. Oldest one in college, the youngest one six years old. A widow. I'm looking for the examples of people who actually really don't say it, say it and nod their head to it. They actually do it. 93 years old. <laughs> Craziest thing, my mom. She was sold out to God when my dad was killed in that car accident. My two brothers were with him. One was in a body cast for almost six months. Couldn't even go to his own dad's funeral. And now she's got to raise seven kids by herself. The youngest one's six years old. The oldest one in college. And my mom looks at me and she says, you praise God and thank God in every situation. She's in it, separated. That's the kind of people. I'm, I, want to, I want to be around people that have been through the fire and been through the flood. I want to see people that are soaking wet and said, God will still bring you in. I want to see, I want to smell smoke on you and know I made it through the fire. I don't need just a bunch of 
people giving mental assent and nodding their head, they really are saying, I'm, I'm willing to follow somebody. I watched that lady on a widow's income. My dad didn't leave her. I mean, it was 1972. He, she didn't have much money. She got to raise seven kids, pay for college. That woman believed God and followed God. Best thing she ever gave me was the way she followed God. I'm serious. I'm not just doing this because, you know, mom went to be with Jesus. I'm telling you, she was a perfect person, but I'm telling you, she loved Jesus with all her heart, you know. So I like the t-shirt one guy sold. It used to say, live your life in a way that the preacher doesn't have to lie at your funeral. A lot of stuff I hear at some funerals are just made up to make them look good. She was the real deal. Seven kids, a widow, a janitor's income. I went through her ledger. She, she kept this ledger up till 93 years old. She kept this ledger. She had a handwritten ledger of everything she spent in a spiral notebook. She was really old school. And in that, she put her tithe, because I remember she tithed her whole life. A widow's income, a janitor raising seven kids. And then she had the list of all the ministries and the missionaries she supported, 93 years old. 93. I knew how tight it was as a kid. But this woman was sold out to God. If you obey God, watch God. You submit to God and obey him. Watch his provision be for you the best you could ever imagine. It's the best. may not be, what, but it's his best. He knows what he's doing. 93, still supporting missionaries. <laughs> and I hear people in America bellyache like, we can't make it. When I see a woman and she paid her kids college, who wanted to go to college, and they walked out debt free. I don't know how she did it. I knew she didn't make a lot of money, but every time she reached in that meal barrel, it was there to take care of what she needed for that day, every single day. I don't know how she did it. I remember when I was a teenager, she wanted to buy a Mercedes Benz. She found her a nice used Mercedes Benz because she wanted a Mercedes Benz. I said, okay, go for it, whatever you think, mom. She bought that Mercedes Benz, a janitor, cleaning office, cleaning houses, cleaning the church. I'm just trying to tell you something that God, some of you, maybe it's because you just won't obey him sometimes when he's telling you. I watch her, here she goes cleaning offices and other people's houses and pull up in their Mercedes Benz and pull out a mop out of the trunk. You know? It's just the craziest thing you ever saw. Because like that widow woman, he says, you surrender to God first in every area of your life and watch him use you to accomplish the task. And you know why? Because it's not for you. There's something he's wanting everybody to know around you about him. And so you find this in this story. Later on, you'll read down the rest of that chapter. That widow woman's son dies. He said, man of God, have you done this? Have you come to my house so that my son would die? She said, bring me your son. He died. Bring it to me. He has him in his chamber and all of a sudden he just lays out his body and stretches out over that dead body, that boy. He does it once, he does it twice, he does it three times, and then he says, Lord my God, let this boy's life return to him, and the boy revived. You see, it's not just about you having these blessings. Look what happened. The widow woman looks at him in verse 24. She said, then the woman said to Elijah, now I know 
that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is truth. We don't know if this lady served God. In all probability, she was not a God follower. And God had his heart on a little widow woman. And he said, this is not for you, Elijah. This is for the people that I've sent you to show my glory. And guess what happens? Even unbelievers can know you're tagged by God because of the fruit that comes out of your life. We don't need to go around just impressing each other in this church. I need them out there to know you've been tagged by God and you're on a mission to show his glory. How many of you say, God, come on, train me, train me, train me, train me, train me. Train me.